Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of the winner of the Bay of Pigs Award to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the argument by slogan, also known as mindless repetition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mindless things are associated with Trump. So um, this (laughs) this one is, I mean, it's it's fairly straightforward, really, as the name suggests. It's about using a slogan, essentially, in in place of an argument or or as an as an incredibly simplified version of an argument or yeah. a way uh, that means you don't actually have to explain yourself or make any kind of nuanced arguments. Yeah, yeah. Because so there's, there's, it, there's, an, there's an implication that all the knowledge you need, all the uh-huh. explanation is wrapped up in that slogan. That, yeah, it's kind of bumper it, sticker wisdom. Yeah, it's, kind of, <laughs> it's self-explanatory, but and often it isn't. You know, it's, yeah, uh-huh. as we've often said, it's a bit more complicated yeah. than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, in the interview I did a few weeks ago now with Norma Mendoza-Denton mm. about the book Language in the Trump Era, uh, we talked briefly about the idea of the fact that Republicans are kind of reducing their messages to, to kind of three-word messages. Yeah. yeah, And actually, if you want to argue against it, it takes a bit more than that. <laughs> you need to argue the nuance. You need to make real points and, and take yeah. your time and set out your evidence. And that's why Democrats aren't so good at using the slogans. Yeah, yeah. And yet because the nuanced and argued and uh, it's, it's a bit more complicated than that kind of reasoning that goes into opposing those loses the the emotional impact i guess that's yes. the, the thing about slogans is that they are somewhat of an appeal to emotion Definitely. in that they yeah. they contain something well i will go on to argue later on it contains a, a pre-existing sense that you have and it's and it's also it's also a kind of confirmation bias isn't it so you're yeah. you're already there and um somebody just triggers you to associate the feelings you have with possibly a new thought uh, or and they they corral your collective emotion and point that at the new target um whereas yeah. if you're doing a nuanced and uh, fairly lucid explanation of why they shouldn't do that you're going to just lose the people <laughs> that are bought bought into that and caught up in that appeal to emotion you're just going to lose their attention aren't you you're just going to you know, yeah. yeah. What, what do we want? And, Equal rights for everybody. When do we want them? Well, as soon as you can possibly do that. But yeah, know, not at a time when do. it's not too inconvenient for, <laughs> for the it legislature. Then the other things yeah. that you're uh, <laughs> currently concerned with. Yeah, not that this isn't top priority, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, slogans aren't kind of automatically fallacious. Obviously, there's you know advertising slogans that are actually representative of the product that that yep. can be good and useful, and slogans can be useful, as you say, for for a kind of rhetorical argument where your point is to distill the message that mm-hmm. you've already made or the the evidence you've already put across into yep. an easily rememberable or uh, kind of chantable <laughs> phrase yeah, yeah, or something yeah. that that 
represents your point of view that you then at other times talk about what you mean. Like, for example, hope and change with Obama's uh, campaign. Uh, You know, he talked a lot during his campaign and in every rally that he did about what changes he wanted to make. And and that was that was his message. His key message was that there was there was hope for things to be better through changes that he wanted to make. And he laid out the changes in some detail. So distilling that down to hope and change gave people something to kind of hang their hat on and 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 get emotional about yeah um but they had to because it's a it's something that doesn't exist already or it means different things to different people he was at pains to lay those explanations out and then use that as a uh, mnemonic for all the things he said and yeah and you can make that argument in many cases our first example from trump is from 2016. This chant started, I think, at the Republican National Convention in 2016, but then continued at basically every Trump rally. And it's where the the crowd reacts to him talking about crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary Clinton. Oh, she's crooked, folks. She's crooked as a $3 bill. Okay, here's one. Just came out. Lock her up is right. No. So the crowd is chanting, lock her up, lock her up. And, uh, I mean, he's absolutely just kind of drinking it in, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's it, right, and, doesn't it? Yeah. and you could, you could make the argument, if you're being incredibly generous, that this is a, a distillation of a wider message that he's tried to make. But his his messaging on Hillary is crooked Hillary has largely been calling her crooked Hillary. Yeah. Um, there, there hasn't been a lot of... In fact... It, the this chant has continued and he has continued calling her cricket hillary and trump supporters continue to call her cricket hillary and say she should be locked up despite the fact that his own um investigation found nothing wrong with yep. uh, with anything she did yeah so at the yep. point where you where that has been shown and then the the message the slogan continues it is then just shorthand for we don't like her really yeah yeah um so yes they ought to be chanting don't like her that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Jim had this example, I snuck in another one in kind of trumping, trumping all over um, the American side of politics. Because the other day, and when on the steps of the White House, was it, um, RGB's casket was there, and um, uh, uh, RBG's casket was there, and they were all stood out there, and you could hear the crowd in the background. Oh yeah, this is the Supreme Democrats. Court. Steps of the Supreme Court. So, yeah, doing the and it was the same sound. It wasn't lock her up. It was vote him out. Which actually, when I heard that, gave me a little little leap in in mm-hmm. uh, thinking. Right, yeah, the Democrats, have, they finally got it together. You know, they're not kind of doing that nuanced argument because there's no, the, in, in a way, that is the perfect slogan because it's just a, um, it's a statement of intent which doesn't need explaining. Yeah. Because that's And I feel what, it's what, what she would have wanted yeah. as well. 
Because, <laughs> you know, as the opposition party, as it were, that will be what you want to do. That's mm-hmm. what you're extolling everybody to do. Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. vote him out rather than lock her up because that's never going to happen. Yeah. You know, the, he hasn't got the power to do that. He has the power to call an investigation, which then found her guilty of absolutely nothing that he said she was. So he doesn't have the power to lock her up. Neither do, neither does the audience. The other, um, the other thing that shows that that lock her up thing was always disingenuous was the fact that after the uh, after he was elected, people started chanting "lock her up" at one of his kind of you know victory lap rallies, yeah. and and he said, "Oh no, that that played well before the election. Now we don't really care." Uh, he literally said that. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So there, there, there you have it. Is his mm-hmm. uh, admission that it's a useful tool to fire up the troops. Yeah. You know, as is example number two. Absolutely. Speaking of the, the troops getting fired up, uh, again, this is just starts off as a chant, but then he joins in. Build that wall. 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 Which is kind of weird because he's the one who's supposed to be, you know, in charge of building it. So yeah. I don't know who yeah, he's yeah. chanting it at, really. <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of, he's, I don't know. He's, you know, you would expect he would be saying, yes, I am going to build the wall rather yeah. than agreeing. That someone yeah, should <laughs> extolling him to get on with the bloody thing, and he's going, "Yeah, I should, yeah. I should so do that." Yeah, yes, and I again, should, should it be comes... saying, "Yes, I will." Yeah. Yes, we yeah. can. Yeah, the um, the the extent to which it comes from any form of of logic or reason at all <laughs> is his basic assertion that a wall is the solution to the problem that he's claimed yeah. there is. Yeah. So he he. he he has imagined a problem and then said, we need to solve this problem. We need this wall. And the wall is the only thing that will work. Yeah. Um, which was always a stupid solution. And and then people and are, are taking that and running with it and yeah. going, yeah, build the wall. That's And that becomes a slogan that represents no evidence or nope. understanding of effectiveness or feasibility or anything like that. Just a slogan that... that has resulted in quite a lot of money being spent on quite small amount of wool yeah. so far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of people have got rich uh-huh. by just saying, "Oh yeah, we could we could do that. It would take a lot to do it. Send us a lot of money. We'll get on with it." And then not getting on with it, you know. Yeah. Like, the, should, the slogan should be, "Where's the wall?" Yeah, <laughs> or "Show me the money." Come and on. in a way, the weirdest slogan is probably his most famous one which is make america great again uh, which he's still saying even though he's been president for four years he spent so has spent so much time since being president and before um saying you know people these people who are saying negative things about america they should go and live somewhere else or they you know they're awful people yeah the, the entire concept behind make america great again is america is not currently great yes yeah <laughs> yeah. So du- yes. So it's now doubly <laughs> awful for you know as far as he's concerned <laughs> because he's been in power or allegedly for you know for the last three and a half years on the Make America Great Again ticket. He hasn't yeah. made it great again at all. No, <laughs> he, he ought to be Make America even more great now, which would uh-huh. you know at least 
acknowledged that he made it somewhat greater. At one point, he said it was going to be keep America great. Right. That was what he he kind of announced his his platform for his second yeah. run would be. But it hasn't morphed into that. Everyone's still saying MAGA, and and he's still using it. So yeah. So I. Yeah. So- and in that way, what he's doing is, by adopting it is doing what he's doing with the build the wall thing. He's de- deflecting the fact he's done nothing about the wall. He's deflecting the fact that he's done nothing about making America great again. So, but allowing the people to go, yeah, make America great again. And he's going, yeah, you're right. Let's make America yeah. great again. And the, which which glosses over the 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 fact that he hasn't. He hasn't yeah. delivered on that one message. Well, if you believe most of his rhetoric and most of the right-wing voices, you know, everyone's living in Biden's America at the moment anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. that's why it's not great. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. So when I put, put all these together, Jim went, what, eight clips? But yeah, so <laughs> what, I tried, what I immediately thought of when this appeared was the latest in a long line of... UK government COVID slogans, um, which arguably uh, have, have got less effective over time, which is probably <laughs> well, less comprehensible. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, quite. <laughs> and I suspect that part of that less comprehensibility um, is is hasn't gone without notice at, at number ten, which is why they keep trying to bring another one out to make it. Because the, the the you know when it was with the COVID slogans in most countries at the beginning of it the slogans about the national effort focused on survival or the human spirit like Iran for instance uh, went for stay at home Switzerland went for this affects us all Italy um, tried to reassure everyone everything will be all right uh, That's India such a bizarre slogan. yeah <laughs> India pleaded with go Corona go um, which again which sounds like a cheer. So, yeah, go, Corona, oh, no. go. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. Yay, Corona. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you know, to the tune of my Sharona. Yeah, <laughs> but they did have the other one. Prepare, don't panic, which is quite nice. And Argentina focused on the gratitude to health workers. Thanks for my heart, which has probably got Corazon in it, being kind of Spanish. Uh-huh. And and then China went for. If you hang out in public today, grass will grow on your grave next year. So you go, <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, a nice little kind of haiku-esque kind of thing. Um, but the British government went for... By staying at home, we can protect our NHS and save lives. Stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. Which, as uh, Stephen Woodward, who is the chief executive of the Advertising Association, said it works because it's hard-hitting single-minded and unavoidable it reminded me of the don't die of ignorance campaign during the uh hiv aids mm-hmm. um epidemic in the 80s yeah. so it kind of does that stuff and he goes on to say no one could be in any doubt about the need to stay at home protect the nhs and save lives they've kind of you know what you do why we're doing it what would the end result be yeah, they nailed it right out yep. the gate, yep. basically. And then they've continually changed it since yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's kind of a weird thing because the the when you read it, stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives, the message seems to be if you act responsibly, you can project protect the prized asset, the NHS, and as a byproduct, that will save lives. So there's something in there which is 
capitalising on our deep national love for the NHS. Oh, and by the way, you can save lives. <laughs> but the the irony, of course, is that this is in the hands of the Tories, who, uh, and for me, there's an, an offensive hypocrisy that lies at the heart of it, because the Tories have been long associated with trying to privatise and cut back funding for the NHS, so much so that Cameron's government had had, had a slogan, the NHS is safe in our hands in 2011. And it wasn't, and it hasn't been. Um, we talked about this ages ago, that the uh, pre-COVID-19, the number of NHS is short from an estimated 43,000 nurses. That The Tories did those magic number things and said that they, the existing nurses were new nurses and all that kind of stuff. And since COVID, nursing staff pay rise as part of a public se sector pay deal was voted down by the Tory majority. Um, and there's, and it's for me, it, this slogan, whilst being you know clear and very effective, it's a cynical use of a national treasure. Um, the Leave campaign's uh, thing on the side of their bus, their slogan was, we send the EU £350 million a week Let's fund our NHS instead, which also reminded me of the cover of the National Lampoon magazine from 1973. Do this or the dog gets it. You know, as if you don't buy this magazine, we'll kill this dog. So it's, it's that kind of um, if we do this, the NHS will die. So let's not do that. It hijacks the vehemently protective feeling we as a nation invest in the NHS and uses that appeal to emotion to push an adjacent but subverted message and pretty much guarantees compliance by the British public. That's what I was saying Maybe. earlier. Given, given that the Brits love their pets almost as much as the NHS, yeah. maybe that should be the next one. Maybe it should be stay at home, uh, protect your pets... Uh, yeah, because if you go out, we'll kill your pets. Yeah, yeah. Stay at home, wear a mask, or we'll. Or if the we dog see you walking it. your dog, the dog dies. Yeah, or the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yes, that would be it. Yeah, exactly. So part of the emotional charge of it has been is the is our love for the NHS and our protection of the NHS. Uh, so that was on the twenty third of March. On the twenty seventh of March, <laughs> should have gone to Specsavers. What happened basically was Dominic Cummings drove 30 odd miles in lockdown with coronavirus to apparently to test his eyesight, which and everybody in the world um, put all sorts of memes up saying, you know, should have gone to Barnard Castle, should have gone to Specsavers. <laughs> and um, though that story didn't break till the 25th of May, and by which time we had this slogan We must stay alert, control the virus. And save lives. Which, as we've talked about before, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and it fails because there's no emotional hook. Yeah, the save lives bit at the end, that's no, not sufficient for people. No, no. It, well, particularly after the heart of the last <laughs> one was protect the NHS. Yes, but also because stay alert is nowhere near as effective as staying at home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> stay alert. Who doesn't stay alert? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I was... Don't, I was, don't, I, don't I fall asleep, whatever you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do not blink. That's, yes, exactly. <laughs> so then, on the 31st of July, we had this. Wash your hands, uh, cover your face where necessary, keep your distance, hands, face, space, hands, face, space, plus uh, get a test, uh, if you if you have symptoms and, and, and self isolate, uh, to to sum it up in a nutshell, it's hands face space, 
wash your hands. You know, that, that was pretty, pretty punchy, I think. I'm going to repeat it. Hands, face, uh, space, uh, get a test. Uh, it's, it's hands, face, space. And uh, hands, face, space, get a test, self-isolate if you have symptoms. <laughs> Thanks very much. I think I repeated that often enough. Oh, God. It's so, such go. a simple slogan. The, He's the, the, yes. I get the I it. think I think he made it up there and then. <laughs> Either that or they just said, look, we've got to have another one because stay alert, control the virus, save lives. It's just not working. You know, we've had it for a couple of months. It's not working. So we need to send people back to work. Hands face. It is just it yeah. is mind. There you go. Mindless repetition right there. <laughs> Stop trying to make hands face space a thing, Boris. <laughs> yeah. No. It, uh, yeah. And I've watched the, the latest one when we eventually get there. If you look at him making the announcement on the on the podium is hands face space. And you kind of it's one of those. God. It's you think you've got it. And then you go. Let it go. Is it hands space face <laughs> or face space? And actually, what do any of them mean? Just by repeating it doesn't make it a stick. Especially B, when you keep adding anything. bits. Yeah. Like and hands, face, space, and hands, face, clearly, and then and and also and get then a test. Say, and, then and the hands, face. And, yeah. <laughs> and then saying, I think that was a bit punchy, doesn't make it yeah. punchy. You know, it isn't just because you say it is. In the, in the, in the hands it's like the Spanish of the... Inquisition of, of slogans. It's kind of... <laughs> in the mouth <laughs> Amongst of somebody... the things you need to do are hands, face, space. And I'll come in again. Yeah. Fanatical devotion I'll, to the I'll come, in, I'll come in again. Yeah. yeah. Amongst our arsenal of things we can do to attack are oh, such diverse elements as hands, face... Oh, oh I'll, I'll come in again. Yeah. I know. And in the, but in the hands are of... Somebody with it, like John Hurt or Patrick Stewart or something like that, he, you, you just hear it and you go, oh, yeah, right, that makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. But Boris can't even finish the three-word <laughs> grouping without <laughs> cocking it up, without sticking an er in there. It's just, <laughs> no, mindless, mindless. So on the 6th of August, if that wasn't enough, Rishi the Ferengi Sunak, who's the Chancellor, did this to get customers back into restaurants, cafes and pubs and protect the 1.8 million people who work in them. I can announce today that for the month of August, we will give everyone in the country an eat out to help out discount. So eat out to help out. And, and we shift because we... they couldn't think of a more sexual way to say it. <laughs> exactly. It's got to be short enough. To go, yeah, have some money. Actually, what it is, is, you know, stay alert, go back to work, <laughs> save Pret-a-Manger. That's, that's fundamentally it. And now you can spot also that the protection has gone from protect the NHS to protect the 1.8 million who work in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Right. As if that wasn't enough. Protect jobs, basically. Protect jobs, yeah. Yeah. Protect, yeah. Protect jobs, um, save, save the Tory party. You know, eat a pret. Yeah. So, so if that wasn't enough, on the 9th of September, Boris said this. And I know that over time, the rules have become quite complicated and confusing. Yeah, no shit. Confusing. In England, from Monday, we're introducing the rule of six. Especially that hands face space one. That was really confusing. Uh, yeah, that was really <laughs> confusing. Yeah, you know, I know, because I made that one up. Yeah. So the rule of six, because that's easy to remember, because it's always a seventh friend who's the dodgy one that <laughs> turns up. You know, hello! And you go, oh, no, there's three couples and one odd, one odd one. That's, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah. So, however, on the 22nd of September, um, stuff those people Rishi wants to protect because we now have to close all the hospitality outlets because all those people who've gone out to help out to eat out have actually caused a coronavirus spike. And so now we're going to shut down at 10 because... We must take action now because a stitch in time saves nine. If we follow these simple rules together, we will get through this winter together. So at no point has there been simple rules. And as Rory Bremner, the uh, British comedian, um, says that uh, it kind of confirms that six months on from the clarity of the stay-at-home message, it appears hard to sustain the idea that policy is being led by the science when Rory Bremner tweeted, a stitch in time saves nine. All those scientists, and it's Boris's granny who's calling the shots. And uh, somebody pointed out in the Guardian comments on that day, since we're already on stitch nine, what happens next? (laughs) And Russell Kane, the comedian, pointed out... It's not the 1950s. Well, excuse me, Donna, darling wife. I think instead of drinking until 2am and banging gear up our hooter in the disabled toilets, perhaps we should have some triangular-cut cucumber sandwiches and perhaps just a cup of tea in the Lion's Tea Shop at the train station. There's no need to get intoxicated. Now we're going home at 10 o'clock. Yeah, it's not the 1950s. People aren't going, ah, right, yeah, we won't do that because we've got to be home by 10 or going to be out by 10. Basically, people are getting drunk before 10 o'clock. It's not that long ago that the uh, British Isles, um, the pubs would open at whatever, lunchtime, maybe half past 11, 12 o'clock, and then they'd close at 3 p.m., and then they'd open again at 6 or 7 and then close at about 11 so, and the problem, Russell Kane also talked about it. He said the problem with ringing the bell at 10 o'clock, it's like firing the starting pistol for Usain Bolt because everybody yeah. just rushes to the bar and gets another <laughs> round in. It doesn't matter when you do it. But, and yeah. also, people don't go home. They just get drunk earlier and then hang about the streets trying to find an off-license where they can go and buy alcohol. So, Absolutely. And now yeah. that all of the universities are back. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's no, the university students aren't going to not go out and get drunk. Yep. They're just going to start earlier. Yes. It's yeah. Yes. Exactly. It doesn't. Oh God. And <laughs> so, in, so that, that we've had seven slogans until, you know, the Russell Kane clip, there were seven slogans. So in, in conclusion, it seems that for a slogan to gain traction and be powerful and be effective, it's not enough for it to be simply a three-pronged phrase, but it's got to grab at something that people are already behind, I think. Um, So like the NHS, otherwise it does nothing in this COVID response, but reveal the transparency of the government strategy on how to deal with COVID. It's this constant bunch of sloganeering it are the emperor's new clothes the no and no amount of saying it's great it's working and repeating the phrase can do the work of doing the actual work um it may well be a stitch but it's with invisible cotton holding together non-existent cloth whose cost of course is exorbitant so the the whole thing of this government they got in on the back of the get Brexit done slogan, which had no explanation as to what that what the fuck that was, other than yeah. we had an oven ready deal. We didn't. 
Um, and it's turned out that even the deal that Boris said was oven ready, which wasn't a deal, it was just a slightly amended deal that he resigned his post as foreign secretary over when Theresa May wrote it, has now been voted against. Um, they try to get out of that and break international law in the process and then call people who call them out on that unpatriotic. So the whole of this government is run on sloganeering. It's run by journalists. Um, Boris is a journalist. Uh, Matt Hancock was a PR person. It's it's run by people who are sloganeers. They are yeah. used to making it's the headlines. message, not the substance behind yep. it. That yep. is the key. And and mindful of the fact, fully mindful of the fact that tomorrow they can say something exactly the opposite because no one will remember what they said yesterday, except you know this. It doesn't work when you're in government. You can get away with that when you're a journalist. You can't when you're supposed to be the people that up to whom people look for you to to solve the fucking problem. And they're not. They're just going, it's all your fault. You haven't been following the rules. Okay, which rule are we on now? I think the thing is, to to a, an upsetting extent, that's true. It is the people's fault who aren't following the rules. Yeah. I'm not in any way saying the government's done a good job. But yeah. Boris's latest ridiculous thing that we're just such a freedom-loving country, you can't, you know, no yeah. one follows the rules. It's not yeah. that we're a freedom-loving country. It's that people are assholes, yeah, and that they don't do what they're supposed to do. And in other countries, they are they obey the rules better. Yeah. They don't yeah. love freedom less than us. No, <laughs> in Germany or Sweden. Well, one or, would think that actually you know, something other to places. do with... But we all have followed the lockdown thing and we're quite happy to it and we, to do yeah. that. And we stood out on the front doorstep and clapped the NHS. You know, we protected the NHS for a good yeah, yeah. 10 weeks in a row. And then a member of his advisor, the, you know, the real run, running, the guy who's running the country, Dominic Cummings, yeah. fucked it all up by Absolutely. breaking lockdown... And then he sanctioned it. He said, no, it's and, fine. Yeah. And that, that was the when moment. It, it becomes went. impossible for you to tell people off for breaking the rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you just, every yeah. time you do it, you just have to point to the Weasley little Machiavellian in the, in the uh, hoodie. And you go, well, yeah. he didn't. He, so Boris could have, I mean, it was said at the time, but Boris could have made such an impact by, by getting rid of him and saying, um, it is unacceptable. For yep. people to break the rules, it is it is you know causing other people danger. We all have to pull together, no matter who you are, to yeah. to deal with this thing, and then and that's the only way it's going to help. And that yep. actually might have had an impact. Yeah, but it, just it saying we're all in lives. it together. Another slogan, you know, just saying yeah. we're all in it together. When patently you're not, doesn't you know you can't you can't rule by sloganeering alone. One, two, one, two, three, four. Everybody's talking about that and straw man in them, slipping slips and rhyming folk, red herrings and circulars, equivocation, generalization, post hoc, ergo, prop to hoc. All we are saying is a fancy in the It's a 
we go. John and Yoko there with um, Give Peace a Chance, which in my thinking, oh, yeah, right, but there must be loads of songs that are actually slogans, and and there aren't. There's that and Feed the World. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's another copyright strike on our YouTube channel. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and the only other one that I could think of was Paul McCartney's Give Ireland Back to the Irish, which didn't was a terrible song, but a slogan. And and that's it. Are there yeah. any other there are you know, I, given the fact that the, the Yeah the way that and if you anthemic, can think of any yeah, tweet at, no. at us or put it in our Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. Or or we'll and we'll change it on YouTube so we don't get another <laughs> copyright strike. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, anyway in the fallacy in the wild we love like to talk Fair about use. <laughs> we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective and our first example this week comes from friends when, in the episode when uh, chandler needed a change of career and um decided to become an ab- advertising executive i mean i could write slogans i mean how hard could it be right cheese it's milk that you chew. <laughs> Crackers, because your cheese needs a buddy. A grape, because who can get a watermelon in your mouth? Oh, I got one. Socks, because your family's feet deserve the best. Honey, leave it to the pros. <laughs> I had to use that clip, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, advertising slogans in general, basically, where they uh, usefully represent something about the product, then they're in no way fallacious. If it's if it's saying something that that is helpful and true, and um, you know informs you in some way, yeah, that's great. Um, but so many advertising slogans, you know, Coke is the real thing, kind of stuff. Say nothing. No. Mean mean really nothing. And, and yet are just, yeah. immensely memorable. Absolutely. We, you know, we know yeah. what they are. What... You associate it with that yeah. product, but, What's but interesting it doesn't is actually when you tell do anything. when you look at the lists of advertising slogans for products you've never heard of and they have no resonance at all. And you just read it and it, you just read it as a slogan like um What's the other one? Nike, just do it, and it, you know everybody knows that. Go, oh yeah, but if you if you'd never come across it, and it and you go, well, what do you? I've no idea what that yeah, product is, and I can't <laughs> learn it from yeah. from the slogan that's associated with it. A bit like yeah, Coke gets a real thing, but a bit like that. Um, uh, the one they did for Pepsi, you know, it's Ace tasting, motivating, cool fizzing, which was basically yeah, just. Popping. It was yeah. just a, uh, a mashing together of all the ideas that they had and just made it into one um, slogan, and which is, uh-huh. you know, it's like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> it's that, it's as meaningless as that, but you get to the end, you go, oh, you, you, and you know that it's Pepsi just because of the sheer... But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you an example of a slogan that actually represents something yeah. properly is is the... I want to say 80s Big Mac slogan, the McDonald's slogan. Yeah. Two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and sesame seed bun. So that that tells you everything you need to know. But it is. But yeah. But but it tells it. You know, it's it is it is informative. (laughs) It's memorable. Yeah. But does that that make it 
a slogan ah maybe there's well it was definitely it was the the thing that was said in every advert yeah in the certainly in the uk and in the 80s was yeah you know that was the mcdonald's ad yeah so wow there you go yeah so the speaking of telling something or in the advertising slogan that tells you something truthful about the product ryan reynolds the famous canadian has bought a famous (laughs) american gin company um, and he did a series of, in a very kind of Deadpool-esque kind of way, did a series of adverts with alternative slogans for Aviator Gin. Aviation American Gin slogan, take one. Aviation American Gin, an illusory and fleeting sense of well-being. If you're drinking anything else, you're drinking bullshit. It'll get you f***ed. It tastes like God cried in your mouth. It's going to get us into trouble. You'll actually die from happiness. We can sew that up in post, guys. So there's something about taking the piss <laughs> out of the slogans and making them, making them, you know, what is it, of an illusory and fleeting sense of well-being. <laughs> it just is brilliant, uh-huh. you know. And that it's kind of that knowing, tongue-in-cheek, self-referential stuff that the whole of Deadpool, the, the advertising around Deadpool, was about, um, just applied to a gin company. And actually, which leads us nicely on to your third <laughs> example. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is from a uh, an advert from the Colombian Tourist Board, um, where they decided to go with this slogan. Colombia. 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 The only risk is wanting to stay. Which isn't strictly true about Colombia. But what it does is it imply... Yeah, that there are a lot of other risks that you would <laughs> normally associate with going to Colombia, uh-huh. you know, not not which, least of which chucking beer yeah. up your hooter. Which well, according to the according to to the Foreign Office uh, in yeah. the UK, despite improvements in security, crime rates remain high in Colombia. Illegal armed groups and other criminal groups are heavily involved in the drugs trade and serious crime, including kidnapping for ransom and political purposes, money laundering, and running extortion and prostitution rackets. Street crime is a problem in major cities. Mugging and pickpocketing can be accompanied by violence. British nationals have been robbed by robbed at gunpoint in Bogota. Be vigilant. Avoid deprived areas of cities. Take care on city streets especially after dark so not much of a slow the, o- the only risk <laughs> no the only <laughs> risk is wanting to stay yeah the only risk <laughs> is, is um... not being able to leave yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah where your slogan is is hilariously untrue it might be a fallacy <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks i love the game it's a great game i understand the game as well as anybody as well as anybody Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Ah, uh, see, fake news, the only game you can play between meals without ruining the law of averages. <laughs> so our topic today yeah. for fake news, as as I alluded to in the kind of Bay of Pigs introduction, right. is yeah. Trump loves awards, especially ones that he hasn't actually won, uh, including he's been mentioning again that he won Michigan Man of the Year, which is not an award that exists. Uh, He talked about winning the Bay of Pigs Award, which also doesn't exist. And recently he has been nominated for the Nobel Prize, Mm. Nobel Peace Prize, in fact by two different people, two Scandinavian politicians, one of whom nominates him every year because he's a nutter. This is insane. um, (laughs) From his asylum, yeah. 
And so our our quotes this week are yep. all from a single screed of no. Trump's about how it's how unfair it is that none of the mainstream news was talking about his Nobel Peace Prize nominations. Right. Which to be fair they probably were, but in a taking the piss kind of way. Yeah. But yeah. Um but yeah, he was very upset about it. And he he made a special effort to get Melania to sit down and watch TV with him so that they could they could see all of the, you know, all the, the adoration that yeah, he'd be yeah, getting. Yeah, yeah, So, statement number one. I said to my great first lady, our great first lady, Melania, I said, Melania, first lady, I said, first lady, oh, I'm going to watch television tonight. I'm going to come home early because let me tell you, 6.30 is very early. I stay in there late, but I'm going to come home early. I'm going to show you what a great job. I just got nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize and we're going to sit there and I'm going to just soak it in. Darling, let's turn on NBC fake news. Lester Holt, number two rated show. He's number two heading south. Statement number two, continuing on from that. Mm -hmm. So I thought this is big news. It'll be the top story. But the first story was about some rain. There was some rain. (laughs) A lot of water. Yeah. And that was important, apparently. Right. And then they had a story about some. Well, that it was about Jimmy Kimmel. Right. <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. It was about Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. He's never winning the Nobel Peace Prize. That I can tell you. The whole time I'm thinking it'll be the next story, and the first lady is asking me, "Darling, when will it be on?" And we watched the entire program, and they never mentioned it once. When Obama won for who knows what, they never shut up about it. Remember that? Yeah, I think the key word there is won. <laughs> yeah, he won it. Yeah. Uh huh. And then statement number three, the following day I got nominated for another one. I called her up. I said, you know, maybe they forgot, so let's go home and turn on the television. It was the same thing. They had another story that this time they're cleaning up the rain. Another one, another one, another one. Got to the commercial, never ended. Got back, a little tiny piece, and I said, they didn't cover two Nobel Prizes. I got two in one week. Did you ever hear that one? For different things, totally unrelated. And my only complaint is I should have gotten about seven or eight, because if you knew some of the other, some of the other things I've done are much better. I should have gotten seven. Uh, some, some things I can't even tell you about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I should have got seven or eight. We knew some of the other things. Some of the other things I've done much better. I should have got seven. So obviously the eighth one, he thought, oh, actually, no, that's no good. So <laughs> seven yeah, or eight, but the seven. eighth wasn't that great. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> okay, I love that. <laughs> first, so I turned to her and I said, Melania, first lady. Yeah, Mrs. Trump, I said, first lady, I'm going to watch. But uh, does he actually address her as first lady? Mm, okay, and then the one that's about some rain. That, mm, okay, so, yeah, the dig, the dig at Obama sounds very him, but then that could be just a careful ploy on your part. Okay, so the first one is that ridiculous. It could be true. <laughs> I just wanted to hear him say that. I said, Melania, first lady. I said, first lady, I've got to watch television. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I, I, um, number three sounds, um, God. Okay. The Jimmy, Jimmy Kimball's very specific. No, sorry, Lester Holt. Okay, uh, I'm going to plump for number two. I think is the one that you thought up that you that, the one that you made up. 
Okay, so of the other two, which do you think is more convincing? I think number three is more convincing. Okay, so number three is real. But the following day, I got nominated for another one. I called her up. I said, you know, maybe they forgot. So let's go home and turn on the television. It was the same thing. They had another story that this time they're cleaning up the ranch. Another one, another one, another one. Got to the commercial, never ended. Got back a little tiny piece, and I said they didn't cover two Nobel Prizes. I got two in one week. Did you ever hear that one? For different things, totally unrelated. And my only complaint is I should have gotten about seven or eight, because if you knew some of the other things, some of the other things I'd done are much better. I should have gotten seven. (laughs) Oh, no, that means... Possibly number two is true because that so, a, that's a follow-on about the same rain. No, okay, <laughs> but I'm right. I so want him to say <laughs> first lady. I want him to say that. He um right. Yeah, he he did say number three. He yeah. he did. I mean, oh, he he seemed he's treating it first of all like it's like he's two, won already. Like it's wins. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he's got it because it's nomination. Yeah, they, you know, I got two in one week. They didn't cover yeah. two Nobel Prizes. No, he's been nominated. Not yeah. for two prizes, for one prize by two people. Two people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the two totally unrelated yeah. things. For two no, for different things, totally unrelated. The thing is, the Nobel Committee doesn't release any information about who nominates anyone for anything. Right. So these are the people who did the nominating, yeah. who we do know kind of who has the, the ability to nominate people. Um, they have come out and said, I've just nominated Trump for this Nobel Prize for this reason. Right. So that's that's why we know it. it's from the kind of the right the far right politicians who've who've done it as yeah. not a gag. And the first one it was for the agreement between Israel, Bahrain and the UAE oh, yeah. which yeah. Trump continually keeps calling a peace agreement. Yeah. Despite the fact that Israel has never been at war or in any hostility between Israel, Bahrain or UAE. Yeah. There's never been any any non-peace. It's yeah. it's an it's an economic agreement yeah. to treat each other fairly in economic dealings. Yeah. Which is the same as the Serbia Kosovo one. It oh, is right. it is okay. not peace yeah. Yeah. in any way, which is what yeah. the other one's about. It is an economic normalization agreement. Yeah. So he he has not and is not attempting to get peace in the Middle East or having any effect getting peace in the Middle East. The the EU, who have been working with Serbia and Kosovo to try and kind of iron out some stuff, are pissed off that that Trump ploughed in there and got them to sign their agreement at the White House so that he could yeah. use it for yeah. diplomatic you know benefit yeah. for him when they've been working on it for ages. But, um, yeah, it's not peace. It's not a peace agreement. It's not peace in the Middle East. Jared Kushner hasn't done what he said he was going to do. <laughs> and all of the people on Twitter saying, see, they said they'd do it and now they've done it. No, no, no. No. Yeah, yeah. Talking yeah. bollocks. And, not, and Tony Blair's a bit miffed as well because he was supposed to have done uh-huh. that. Yeah. 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 <sighs> so uh, <laughs> yeah. you also think that number one is true? Yeah. And number one yeah. is yeah. true. I no. said to my great first lady, our great first lady. No. Melania. I said, Melania, first lady. I said, first lady, oh, I'm going to watch television tonight. I'm going to come home early. Because let me tell you, 6.30 is very early. I stay in there late. But I'm going to come home early. I'm going to show you what a great job. I just got nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. 
And we're going to sit there, and I'm going to just soak it in, darling. Let's turn on NBC fake news. Lester Holt. Number two rated show. He's number two, heading south. Yeah, first lady, I'm going to watch television. There's a, apart from that bit, so he's saying, okay, let's watch my nomination for on the fake Let, news. Yeah, let's watch how all of the, the, the fake news yeah. say great things about me because yeah. I've been nominated by a kind of yeah. fringe politician in Scandinavia for a peace prize that yeah. I'm definitely not going to win. And so so um, there's this kind of thing, well, if they don't show it, then it's fake news, but we're going to uh-huh. watch it because they'll show it. And then that won't be fake news. And we're not going to watch the number one rated show. No. We're going to watch the number two <laughs> rated show. What is he doing there? That's oh, it's not clear. Just, <laughs> just, and, but people are going, yeah! Because yeah. you know, he calls it, because he's at home and, he and he's was going, on this for first a while. lady. <laughs> yeah. He was, there, was, there was a big section between one and three where I put in my bit about jimmy yeah. kimmel which is yeah. just totally made up <laughs> yeah th- he was going on about it for a while about how how unfair it was how he went on quite a lot about obama and and how you know nobody even knows what obama won it for including obama apparently oh, and, right, okay um yeah and and that someone did a show or a something where they said the amount of time that was devoted to to trump winning the nobel peace prize which yeah. he hasn't done yeah. is is zero and which makes sense because it hasn't happened. Because it hasn't happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> so therefore, it's not yeah. a new. He went item. on for a while. He was talking about it for like fifteen minutes. Oh my god! But that is so good. I said, I said, first lady. Oh, I'm going to watch it tonight. <laughs> going to come home early. Where? Oh, where from? Where's he come home from? Come from like the room next door, from yeah. the west wing to the east wing, basically. Yeah. I stay in it's there gonna, late. It's a long commute. Yeah, which we again we know he doesn't, doesn't. do. He like he like arrives at half eleven yeah. after having watched lots of Fox News yeah, and, he's and then done after lunch. goes home early. Yeah. Uh, which which means that you actually won this week. Hey, you so go. you are now on twenty six out of fifty nine, which nice. uh, it translates to some kind of percentage. Yeah, you see, it um, is the only game you can play between meals without ruining <laughs> the law of averages. Yeah, you're on forty four percent now. So oh blimey, that's huge! Absolutely, brilliant. That's uh, yeah, it's getting. It's a, I'm not sure if it's a record, but it's. But you're certainly up at the upper echelons of where you've been throughout the competition. Oh, so. Average, <laughs> the, the upper, upper. It is above average because it was. You know, if you just pick them at random, yeah, it would be 33. percent So yeah, oh, so you're doing, yeah. you're doing well. Yeah, um, yeah, way above. There was medium. quite a while where you weren't doing as well. No, as I pick them at random. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, we should somebody somewhere. <laughs> Do us a graph so I can see where I'm. Like a blue line and a red line. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's it. And then let's see if it matches, if there's a correspondence between, you know, cars falling into swimming pools over the last century. It's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called The Notorious RBG Was Not a Logical Fallacy. Because, unfortunately, as bad as you think 2020 gets, it continues to kick you in the nuts while you're lying on the floor. So, yeah. Friday the uh, 18th of September, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And that is awful in so many ways, obviously for her family and anyone who, who knows her, but also for just life in general. Yeah. And democracy. Democracy with a C, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
So and and equal rights. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. So many things are affected by this. I mean, apart from just the fact that she was uh, a, an absolute kind of legal giant and icon mm. the world yep. over. Yeah. Um, if I, I don't know exactly how representative it is of her life, but I saw a film a few months ago about her called On the Basis of Sex, which right. was very, very good, uh, with Felicity Jones playing her as a um, a kind of young lawyer and mm-hmm. and um, showing some of her kind of early successes. I think they kind of compressed some time periods in there, but it mm. it, it represented kind of what she was fighting for and i thought it was yeah because it is amazing kind of you look back at it you know given where we are now we actually live in live in a uh a world which she changed so we so when you go back and look at her early successes in getting a job or or early dismissals because she was pregnant Mm -hmm. you know in the 50s and you think what that so and it was only the 60s where it was possible to get a job as a woman. You know, she 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 said at the time, I think, or talking about that time, she was saying, "I was um, disadvantaged threefold because I was Jewish, a woman, and a mother." Yeah, and you think, wow, that those things. It was not illegal to not employ people on the basis that you were any of those. Mm-hmm. And that was, or even just to you know, if they already yeah. work for you to demote them when yeah. they're pregnant or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, she was um, clearly brilliant. She she went to Harvard. She transferred to Columbia and worked at the law review for both of those universities and was top of the class. She graduated top of the class at Columbia. She was wow. there was I think two women in her law year um, yeah. essentially, and and still couldn't get a job. Nobody. No firms in New York would hire her because she was a woman. And, I mean, ultimately, yeah, she changed a lot of that. She 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 worked for the ACLU at some point, uh, argued six gender discrimination cases in front of the Supreme Court for the ACLU and won five of them. Wow. Uh, and she argued kind of on behalf of both men and women mm. who were being discriminated against. Um, yeah. One of the cases that is followed quite a lot in the film that I mentioned was uh, one where a, a man was being refused. He was a widower, mm-hmm. uh, and he was being refused um, kind of assistance to 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 be a stay at home dad, essentially, yeah, yeah. Uh, because he was a man, because that assistance was only available to women. Um, wow. Yeah. And and she said, well, that's not cool. That's not you know, it's not equal, and it should be equal. And yeah. she made the arguments and she won because they were good arguments. Yeah. And also the Supreme Court wasn't completely biased. Well, yeah. Yeah, that helps Maybe. quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. She was the second woman ever appointed to the Supreme Court. She had cancer four times. She survived cancer four times. Um, wow. And like while she was still being a Supreme Court justice, very active, while she was having chemotherapy, she would have her... Uh, kind of chemotherapy sessions scheduled for Fridays so yeah. that she could take the weekend to recover and be ready for oral arguments on Mondays. Wow. And she um, threw out four bouts of cancer, which she beat. She only missed oral arguments twice Great. for illness, which is, I mean, just amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it just kind of it galvanises when we think about her and when we kind of think about her legacy and what she would want people to do now, um, I think it, it 
you know, I I have heard people say um, there will be people who wouldn't necessarily have voted for Joe, who will yeah. vote for Ruth, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which may be good in that mm. way. Yeah. Obviously, one of the very very bad things about it is that it opened up a Supreme Court seat with forty eight days to go yeah. um, before the election. Yeah. And true to form, given that the Republicans are just massive, massive hypocrites, yeah. they immediately decided that they would nominate exactly, someone. Yeah, rather than give it the six months that they said, you know, they were there. Well, it's nine, nine months. Uh, it nine, nine months was, yeah. Merrick Garland was, was nominated nine months before the election. And yeah. McConnell said, no, we can't possibly have this happen in an election year. Yeah. Uh, Lindsey Graham went on record several times in like interviews and, and, and hearings and said, you know, um, hold me to account for this. Keep this tape. Say that I said this. Yeah. If in the last ter- last year of Trump's term there is an open seat, we will not nominate someone. And obviously he's immediately gone back on that. Yeah. Because they just don't care. They that, just... Well, they have no shame. That's basically it. That, yeah, you, can't, you can't hold them to account because they... They don't they, feel shame. There is no account. There's nothing happens as a result of them doing or not doing something. You know, mm-hmm. given the fact that they, it's the highest court in the land, you know, you should be able to hold the people that oversee that to account. Even when they say, yeah, hold me to account. So, yeah. okay, we're going to make you account for that. What are they going to do? Well, you know, it's kind of going, yeah, you can't make me. You know, ultimately, you can't. There's nothing they will do because they have no shred of integrity. What we can do is vote them the fuck out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, vote them out. <laughs> because yeah. because handily, there's an election coming up. <laughs> yeah, quite close. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and certainly, while McConnell's seat is, is reasonably safe. There's very little chance that Amy McGrath is going to beat McConnell in Kentucky. Yeah. But Lindsey Graham is is in some polls at least level with Jamie Harrison, mm-hmm. and Jamie Harrison yeah. is is outspending Graham. He is out raising yeah. money, um, and there is still obviously time. Obviously, the ridiculous thing about this is not you know it's not nine weeks out, uh, nine months out from an election. The election has started. Early voting has already started, and yet they're still doing it. Trump has now officially um, nominated Amy Coney Barrett as the next justice, and there is nothing Democrats can do short of just delaying, which maybe possibly if they delay as much as possible, it'll, it won't happen before the election itself. But there's nothing to stop McConnell doing it in the lame duck session. So there's really no, nothing to stop Amy Coney Barrett becoming the next justice most Republican senators have already basically said they will vote to confirm whoever Trump nominated without yeah. even starting the confirmation hearings yet, obviously. Yeah, because it doesn't matter because we all saw cameras. So, yeah. 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 Lindsey Graham is the chair of the committee, which will be overseeing the confirmation hearings. He's already uh, announced the first hearing to start on the 8th of October. Kamala Harris is on that committee. Uh-huh. So that will be interesting. At yep. least she will be asking some good questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But again, nothing they can ask will make any difference because the Republicans have no shame. There is no point at which anything will be said which will make any Republican senator think, hmm, maybe this person isn't the best option 
and we should choose someone else. There's not that's definitely not going to happen if it comes yeah. out she's sacrificing babies. It won't make any difference. No, they'll just go, "Oh yeah, well that's obviously uh, a ruse to bring down uh-huh. the cabal." Yeah, so she will be on the Supreme Court. She is likely uh, based on things she has said in the past and her political views and arguably her religious views to side with other conservative justices on if they get the chance things like overturning roe v wade yeah almost certainly repealing the aca the obamacare on which they're set to hear a week after the election yeah possibly the obergefell versus hodges decision the gay marriage decision there's arguments that they could roll back some rights uh, under that if they are given the chance if a case comes up which i mean cases involving uh you know religious freedom in inverted commas, versus gay rights come up reasonably frequently. Yeah. Um, but most upsettingly, Trump will will almost certainly, at this point, announce success, announce that he has won yep. at some point on or very soon after um, election night when the in-person votes have been counted and before the mail-in ballots have been counted. Um, and when the mail-in ballots have been counted and and he loses he will challenge it in court and the court it will eventually make its way up to is the supreme court yeah which will have six conservative justices and three liberal ones um yeah but but surely well we <laughs> thought this with bush you know surely the numbers will just Go well. Actually, look. If you look at the votes, here are the numbers. Yeah. Biden's got more than you. That's how voting works. I mean, the trouble is that if you if you counted all the votes, that might be the case. Yeah. But Republicans are doing everything they can in in various places to avoid all the votes being counted. Yeah. Um, apart from the the kind of obstruction that's happening with the post office and Louis DeJoy just changing rules, which have been yeah. rolled back by federal judges. But, you know, whether that's going to have the full effect of reducing any mail arriving late or whatever that yeah. has already happened. You know, Rick Scott in, in Florida has tried to pass a law or is currently trying to pass a law that they cannot start counting the mail-in ballots until Election Day and right. they have to they have to stop counting a day after election day. Whoa! So basically, they're saying you know how it doesn't matter how many votes you get, how many mail in ballots you get, you have twenty four hours essentially to count them all. And if and once you know once that time's up, you stop counting. Doesn't matter how many you've got left. Yeah. Obviously, there's strong arguments that's unconstitutional. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that has to be challenged in court, which can then be appealed can yeah. be appealed up to the Supreme Court yeah. and then the Supreme Court can judge on whether that is yeah. a reasonable way to decide whether votes get counted or not. So that's not very hopeful, really. <laughs> oh, God, um, remember the, we, got those, we got the same tone of despondency when Kavanaugh uh-huh. got in or was likely to get in and, yeah, so we thought it wouldn't get any worse. If yeah. But sure enough, Fuck. actually, yeah, the, on the... Uh, on the election front, Jimmy Carter's, I think it's a non-profit thing, that he, he, it's about the electoral veracity of electoral practices around the world. And this okay. year, they've done 
one for the first time ever in the US. Mm. So it's about making sure that people get out and vote and that the voting uh, capabilities of their local polling stations is scrutinized properly. All of the kind of things that that he has up till now, well, since the 70s, been funding in what we would call banana republics or kangaroo states or, you know, hunters or, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of places where all of these kind of activities like doing away with the postal system, uh, encouraging people from the presidential pulpit to dump the votes, you know, all of those kind of things that dictators do. He's been campaigning against in the rest of the world, and he's had to do it here in America. So yeah. <laughs> it's not good. But that doesn't mean you can't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that can make a difference is is the numbers. If enough yep. votes can be counted in enough places, the important thing is that there are enough votes. So obviously, the first and most important thing is voting. Yeah. You have to vote. <laughs> yeah. And, in fact, the, the Puzzle in the Thunderstorm guys set up a brilliant uh, URL to redirect to, to the site that you need to find all your information on, which is youhavetofuckingvote.com. <laughs> so go to youhavetofuckingvote.com, and on that site you can find out, you can check if you are registered. You may think you're registered to vote, but some states, some particularly suppressy states, a have a tendency yeah. to purge voters from the rolls if they think for some reason they either have moved or they didn't vote in the last election or various other reasons that they, they make They like to vote Democrat, yeah. you know, those kind um, of reasons. So, so you can go there, you check that you are registered to vote. If you've moved recently... Then, then you may find that you're not on the voter roll and things like that. So check the register vote. You can also on that site request your absentee ballots, um, your mail-in ballot ballots, and you can find out all the information that you need to know about your polling places and about how to go and vote safely or mail in your vote and do that properly. Do that now because now. in especially in your if in your state you can already vote, do it straight away, and that is done. It lists every state. And you just go, just click on the link and it will yeah. look you up. Yeah. If you are in Pennsylvania and you are doing mail-in voting, there has just recently been a change in the law that says that they can discount, they can get rid of any votes that are not placed in the secrecy envelope that you get before they're placed in the envelope that you use to send them to the polling place. So you have to wow. fill in your Even ballot, a secret. put yep. that inside an envelope that you'll get with your ballot and put that inside the envelope that you send to the other place. And if, you, if your ballot isn't inside that secrecy envelope, it will get dismissed. So make sure well, you do that. That's actually the same in the UK. That's, uh, yeah, 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 that's a change yeah. from 2016, though, the midterms. They, they oh, wow, counted votes that weren't in the secrecy envelopes, but the yeah. Republicans have argued that that, is i don't know some unconstitutional bollocks so yeah um <laughs> yeah, so they've changed yeah. they've changed yeah. that rule wow the other thing that you can do if you have already voted or, or know how you're going to vote or you know you have your plan to do that is to donate to democrat candidates to causes to act blue uh which kind of distributes as uh, you can kind of tell them how you want to distribute it uh to to various kinds of 
democratic causes. If you you can give it to Joe Biden, you can give it to people, senators who are uh, possibly or likely to to flip their states like Mark Kelly in Arizona, like John Ossoff in Georgia, like Jamie Harrison in South Carolina against um, Lindsey Graham or Sarah Gideon in Maine against Susan Collins. So you can you can donate to them and they can be better because they can have more money. They can be better at getting the word out about what they believe and why people should vote for them and help to, to drive voter registration in those areas. If you can be a person who goes out and helps people to get registered, do that. If you can volunteer to be a poll worker, do that. The equivalent in the UK is where, where we kind of get out the vote. So if you can, mm-hmm. on the day of polling, and people are going to poll in person, you know, volunteer your car or whatever, drive a minibus, go around, collect people and get them down there or just go yeah. knock on the door and say, have you voted yet? And then go back an hour later and say, have you voted yet? Help yeah. to make sure that your friends and family are registered. Help them to go to youhavetofuckingvote.com and make sure that they know what they're going to do and they have a plan to vote. Yeah. Also, we want to help. Uh, we're in the UK. Under FEC rules, we're not allowed to donate to candidates or PACs or anything like that. But we feel like there must be something we can do. And so we would like to donate our Patreon money from September to a cause that can help the democratic cause. So we would like suggestions from you guys, please. We don't know, because we, we definitely can't donate to any kind of specific campaigns or politicians or PACs or anything like that. But there are organisations that we could donate to, things like the ACLU, things like um, When We All Vote, Michelle Obama's organisation that is generally about voter registration and getting more people registered and getting them voting. But we don't know what the best way what where our money is going to do the most good yeah so please can we have some suggestions from you guys you can do it in the patreon feed you can tweet us you can do it on our facebook group you can email me at jim at fallaciousTrump.com with suggestions of where we can donate that money that might actually help in any way at all and if we can help you donate too, feel free to you know put some money via the patron thing become a patron um, put some money our way for yeah September, absolutely if you, and we if you will kind of Add to that. our Patreon money for September, yep. then we will donate all of that to whatever cause we can find that will do the most good. We'd also like to encourage you guys to donate to however will will do the best in your area or in areas that you think if you live in a kind of, you know, strongly blue or strongly red area, maybe consider donating in an area where it, it might actually flip something. And to encourage you to do that, if you donate to to act blue or to an individual senator or whatever then take a screenshot of a of a kind of confirmation page or or whatever you get that shows that you've donated send it to me at jim at fallaciousTrump.com by the time our next episode goes out and we will pick one out of a hat and send that person a a signed book and a t-shirt from fallacious trump so do that and and you can you can get something from us fun back as well. If you can, if you have the money, obviously, you know, we know, we realise a lot of people are struggling at the moment, especially coronavirus stuff has had an effect on a lot of people's incomes. It certainly had an effect on ours. But (laughs) um, this is is important. So if you can afford it, then please help if you can. Yep. Yep. Every little bit helps, to use a slogan. (laughs) Yeah. And also to use that other slogan that the Democrats hit upon, vote him out. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. 
With just weeks to go before Election Day and early voting already begun, you might imagine that even someone as politically inept as Trump might dial back a bit on the open hostility towards half the country he's supposed to be in charge of. But this is Trump. So instead, he decided to come right out and say that he doesn't really care if people in blue states live or die. While making excuses for the appalling coronavirus numbers, which this week passed 7 million cases in the US... Trump said, if you take the blue states out, we're at a level I don't think anybody in the world would be at. Unusually for Trump, he's almost correct, but not in the way he thinks. You see, about 47% of the cases so far have been in red states. So even if you only count the red states, there have been about 3.3 million cases, which is indeed a level that hardly anyone in the world is at. In fact, only Brazil has a worse record than just the red states alone. I wonder if the yep. Trump voters who live in those blue states mind that he doesn't give the tiniest shit about them. Nah. So, hold on, let me get this right. If the stories you fabricate about other people fail to get you the results you want because the victims you say had the thing done to them turn out to have been paid by you to say that, then what do you do? Yes, folks, our favourite five-star idiots, Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman, are back. I know they're like buses, nothing for ages, then two episodes of fuckwittery come along in as many weeks. So what do you do? Well, Wall claimed on a Telegram post that the unconstitutional pre-dawn raid wouldn't stop him and Berkman from investigating Mattis. What raid's this? Yes, of course, it's a fake FBI raid that's been carried out on your business partner, as you do. Well, if you're all, you do. In an email to the Daily Beast, Berkman claimed that the FBI raid had been meant to punish him for investigating Massis's position on the board of scandal-plagued blood-testing company Theranos. Turns out it was not so much a raid as a bunch of -of out-of-work actors dressed in what Wall and Berkman imagine FBI raiders were, having watched too many episodes of CSI Street Blues and Lacey, turning up, as instructed, at Berkman's offices, asking for one Jacob Klein with regard to $400 cash they've been promised for the use of the footage of them walking to the building that they're now apparently in. Turns out there's no cash. They've got to email their details to... Jack Berkman, so he can mail them a check. Ever mindful of covering up their true identities, the suspicious actors worked out it was, oh, that Jack Berkman. Look, there's a picture of him stood next to the nice Mr. Klein. Oh, it's Jacob Wall. And like the kids in Scooby-Doo, revealed the idiots for who they really are, idiots. In the email to the Daily Beast, Berkman wrote, we press on, undeterred, and apparently unencumbered by any self-awareness or shred of intelligence either. Back in 2016, Trump was telling anyone who would listen that he was going to repeal and replace Obamacare on day one. He's been saying the same thing ever since. And he's even spent the last three months promising that we were always just days away from a brilliant new healthcare plan, like some kind of demonic mixture of Annie, Daddy Warbucks and uh, someone who comes up with healthcare plans. Well, now he's finally revealed his plan and it was totally worth waiting for. Here it is. Are you sitting down? An executive order protecting pre-existing conditions. Wait, didn't he already do that? And aren't they already protected by the law that he's been trying to repeal for four years? Oh, also, he said that we actually already have a better healthcare plan because the awesome way that his administration has been managing Obamacare means it's not Obamacare anymore because it's better now. Honestly, he might as well just say the real healthcare was the friends we made along the way. 
He's really missing a trick too. After all, there's obviously no time to actually do anything about it before the election. So why not just present an aspirational plan that sounds good? It's not like they're going to have to actually figure out how to do it. Trump's so politically inept that the best he can come up with is it's already better and if we win our case to overturn it, we'll do something even better. The sun will come up. (laughs) (laughs) DC National Guard Major Adam DeMarco has been giving testimony about Trump's casual saunter across Lafayette Square to grip a book outside the church the other week. You remember that brutal act of indiscriminate violence against peaceful law-abiding citizens disagreeing with the way the inept narcissist was doing things like acknowledging the existence or importance of other humans. Turns out the National Guard had been emailed asking whether they had an ADS or an LRAD. An ADS, Active Denial System, was developed for combat in Iraq. Basically a heat ray that, when fired at human people, makes them feel as though their flesh is burning. But, and I quote, there have been concerns about its safety as well as the ethics of using it. Really? Even the Pentagon didn't sanction its use in Iraq, and even that ever-friendly humanitarian soul, former Homeland Security boss Kirsten Nielsen, refused its use by Trump on migrants at the US-Mexico border days before the 2018 midterm elections. The LRAD, long-range acoustic device, was apparently used to forewarn all of the socially distanced protesters prior to being baton-charged by Mounted Park Police. DeMarco contradicted the Park Police report, though. Nope. All he saw was a microphone attached to a loudhailer that even he couldn't hear 30 feet away. His report also contradicts Trump's administration's testimony that the protesters were violent. When asked about the request for these banned-in-Iraq weapons, the Defence Department said, Oh, that. Just routine checks to see what was available, which is a bit like (laughs) Crippin ringing Home Depot to inquire if they had any strychnine and chainsaws in stock. We all knew that Tucker Carlson shouldn't ever be taken seriously, but it's nice to have that enshrined in law. Former Playboy model and Trump affair haver Karen McDougal was suing Carlson for defamation after he accused her of extorting Trump and threatening to ruin his career and humiliate his family. I assume part of the defamation suit was that Tucker must have been calling her stupid if she thought news of an affair would have any impact on Trump's career or family. In any case, this week a Trump-appointed federal judge dismissed the lawsuit on the grounds that the general tenor of Carlson's show should, quote, inform a viewer that he is not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is instead engaging in exaggeration and non-literal commentary. Given Mr Carlson's reputation, any reasonable viewer arrives with an appropriate amount of scepticism. In other words, you are now legally required to dismiss anything Tucker Carlson says as bullshit. Non-literal commentary. I love that. Okay, we're pretty sure you're the kind of people who know and appreciate the work of the Monty Python team. A recently unearthed sketch from Python's remastered TV shows in the Blu-ray box set puts us at home with the head of the Mongol hordes. Attila grunts, fight China, got it, the scribe says whilst writing. Attila grunts again, attack big government, yeah. Attila grunts finally. Eliminate the liberal scribes. Uh Uh-oh, the scribe says in response and looks at the camera. And the scene ends. And the narrator then says, more conservative than Attila the Hun. 
And, oh no, huh? We're thrust back to the 21st century. No John Cleese, no nice Mr. Palin. It's Republican Senator Kelly Lofter of Georgia boasting about her 100% Trump voting record, like that's a good thing. And how she's more conservative than Attila the Hun, like that's a good thing. But when you're up against another Republican, Doug Collins, in the upcoming election, that's possibly important. Especially since he taunted her with being insufficiently conservative. Jesus, Georgians, do you really want someone who even by Collins' admission is worse, slash maybe better, than an open borders globalist who killed Christians and practiced postnatal abortion? Weirdly, only part of that is 100% Trump, and actually none of that is really something to crow about, unless you are a death-dealing dictator hell-bent on killing over 20,000 innocent people so they live in fear of you sufficiently to not question your position of power. Oh, yeah, I see it now. What was I thinking? Yeah, carry on, as you were. As the QAnon movement continues to move into the public eye, more and more GOP Senate candidates are turning out to have links to or have promoted the bunch of nutters. If you don't know what QAnon is yet, well, let's just say maybe you should become a patron. Winner of the Delaware GOP Senate primary, Lauren Witzker, has been accused of supporting QAnon, but I'm delighted to say that's all in the past. I'm simultaneously horrified to say that it's not because she's realised it's a dangerous, ridiculous, illogical conspiracy theory that you'd have to be stupid to believe. No, she stopped promoting it because, quote, it's a mainstream psyops to get people to trust the plan and not do anything. She's meta-conspiracied it. She thinks the existence of the conspiracy theory is just a conspiracy to render people inactive. It's conspiraception. Forget the fact that almost immediately after RBG died, she was tweeting lies about her legacy. Forget the fact that she has in the past called herself a flat earther. Just the fact that she is too stupid even to believe in QAnon should be enough to make sure that you get out and vote for Chris Coons if you live in Delaware. Just fucking vote. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in dear old Blighty... It seems like lockdown gets earlier every year. I was walking to the store to buy 100 toilet rolls again the other day and saw someone watching Tiger King and downloading box sets of Dancing with the Stars already. It's only September and they're dressed in a mullet and an unkept beard already. For me, lockdown doesn't really start till I bake my first banana bread. hey oh, I guess it's gone as commercial as everything else. Meanwhile, curiously shrunken-headed Home Secretary Pretty Patel has encouraged everyone to snitch on their neighbours about disobeying whichever set of rule applies to anyone regarding mask-wearing, much to the absolute spit-flecked gammon-faced chagrin of a Tory minister photographed on the London tube not wearing an actual mask. He then accused the whole of the country of being under the control of the Stasi, which actually, in a Kelly Loeffler kind of way, must make her feel pretty special. Yeah. Welcome to your world, you dipshit. Everything else, track and trace, companies given millions of pounds to make things combat the pandemic when they've no qualifications other than being friends of someone in the government and others being elevated from running right-wing newspapers to being chair of the non-partisan body that oversees the running of the public broadcast services. All that, business as usual, as you catch the tail end of Britain spiralling down the greasy grey plug hole of a no-deal Brexit into oblivion and darkness when the lights go out and we're plunged into endless black, black, black. Ah! 
So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. If you have had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our straw man level patrons, Schmoots, Mark Reiki, and Amber R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman level top patron, Lauren. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. And please don't forget to give us suggestions on where we can donate to that will have some good effect and also donate yourselves and send the proof to us via our contact page or any of the contact methods that we've talked about. All music is by the Outburst and was used with permission. So till next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!